Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be featuring Josh Centers from Tidbits and Take Control Books and a return visit from Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy. He'll talk about 30 years of Max and lots more on the Tech Night Owl Live. Josh Centers from Tidbits joins us on the Tech Night Owl Live. But before we talk to him, I need to remind you of something. How about that? First of all, that this segment of the show is brought to you by Squarespace. And that's the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off your first purchase, go to squarespace.com, use the offer code TECHNIGHTOWL. There you go, Squarespace. Now let's go with Josh Centers at Tidbits. You've got someone over at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. That's correct, Gene, and uh, thanks for having me back on. Good to be back. Uh, yeah, we have Jeff Porton out there now. He he sends us daily reports from the show floor. Uh, I always like Jeff's coverage, and I know I'm a bit biased, but I like it better than just about any other CES coverage because he gives a lot of color. Like he describes a lot of what's actually like happening at the event. He goes for the the kooky stuff, which seems to be what uh, CES is more focused on these days. It's it's a bit of a freak show, and he and he, he uh, describes that well. <laughs> Let's focus on some of the less kooky stuff at the beginning, and we'll get on to some of the wacky stuff that he has. But the key is here, of course, is to keep him away from the gambling tables. It's Mm -hmm. very important when you go to Las Vegas, you don't want to do that. Like, for example, (laughs) I have a $20 gambling budget. I live much closer to Las Vegas than you do. I can get there in less than seven hours of drive. I keep $20 limit. Now, when the $20 disappears, I disappear from the tables. Sometimes I make a little money, sometimes I lose a little money. I think that's the safest way, but okay, that's me. How long does $20 last in Vegas? I'm just curious. It depends on what you do. It could last one play. It could last if you go to one of these cheap slot machines where you put in a quarter per game or a dollar. It lasts a little bit longer. But the way the slot machines work is that they will always give you an incentive to continue. You'll win something. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is great. Now my... $20 $20 has become $24. Wait, it's 16 Maybe if I play a bit longer, it'll get back up to 20 I could leave with 20 You end up with zero. Or you come out with $5. I won at Las Vegas. I got $5. All right. But it cost me $20 to get that $5. <laughs> you know, it's like That's going for a payday course. loan. You know, a payday loan charges you, what, 4 or 500% interest? That's what yeah, it's like. if you're lucky, Yeah. Well, well, Jeff, uh, I understand is a professional, at least semi-professional poker player. So I'm, I'm sure he's, he's doing pretty well in Vegas all around. <laughs> well, yeah, but isn't that the kind of person they prohibit from playing? Ooh, well, maybe I've said too much. Shh. <laughs> he didn't say anything. Nobody heard this show. We don't have an outlet in I Las Vegas. I mean, we might, by the way. Let me go on with this. Okay. okay. Consumer Electronics Show. Now, obviously, the tech media focuses on the big stuff, like mm-hmm. Vizio. That's a company out in Irvine, California. They have a 120-inch Ultra HD set with built-in soundbar, so you get the...
know, folks, I have a close relative who has been trying to set up a website. He gets his domain, looks great, but what about the site? What does he do next? Where does he start? Well, Squarespace, it's the all-in-one platform, makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. Squarespace offers 24-7 support, and it's cheap. It only costs as little as $8 a month. You know, really inexpensive to set up your professional website, and you can start a trial with no credit card required. Build your website today in minutes. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure you use the offer code TECHNIGHTOWL. That's TECHNIGHTOWL to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support to the Tech Night Out Live. We thank Squarespace for supporting our show. Check them out at squarespace.com, squarespace.com. Gold, it's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. American gardeners and fellow patriots make the right choice with your money, time, and your family food supply. Choose 100% pure heirloom seeds in the Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com. Why spend more? The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com is only $37.95 and includes 20 varieties of pure, hardy, easy-to-grow heirloom seeds. Yes, only $37.95. That's 70% less than our competitors. You could buy three Survival Seed Vaults for less than one of theirs. The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com includes detailed planting and seed saving instructions and ship same day plus all orders over $49 ship free mypatriotsupply.com is american owned by patriots like you passionate about freedom and preparedness call now 866-229-0927 that's 866-229-0927 or discover more emergency preparedness items when you order at mypatriotsupply.com choose the original choose the survival seed vault at mypatriotsupply.com Hi, my name is Annette, and due to menopause symptoms for nearly two years, I suffered severe hot flashes, which prevented me from sleeping all night. It was so hard to work because it continued all day to have the hot flashes from hell. I was exhausted and depleted. After only three weeks on One World Way, I have no hot flashes, and I'm sleeping normally again. I feel energized and strong. This is an amazing product. It is a little-known fact that every single cell of your body is supposed to produce 10% of its protein content as glutathione. But due to toxicity and aging, it does not. Could glutathione be a missing factor in optimal cell function for your entire body? If you restore the optimal glutathione levels in your cells, especially your glands and organs, then as a result, your glands and organs work better. Imagine the quality of life improvement you might have. To order One World Way, call 888-988-3325. 
888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Now, with 3D, by the way, Josh, there are two formats for home video. One is active shutter, which is mm-hmm. the expensive glasses, the ones that cost $100 or $150. There is also passive, just like your movie theater. Those are like 3 to $5. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the problem with passive is that the, it makes the image darker. And, and that's one of the bit, problems yeah. A little bit. with it in, in the theater. Yeah, it just makes things darker. And, I don't know. Okay, well, then the point is here also, you know, my wife and I are sitting. In the mm-hmm. bed, in our master bedroom, we're watching TV. And so I had Man of Steel. It comes with two Blu-ray discs. One is mm-hmm. 3D, one is regular. So I said, let's watch 3D for once. And she looks at me, do I have to wear these glasses? I said, yes, otherwise it's going to look very blurry. <laughs> so she said, it was fine. Would you like to have more 3D? Huh. Now, understand, Man of Steel is not the kind of movie that takes advantage of 3D very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of them don't. No, most of them don't. In fact, I saw Avatar, which is supposed to be the progenitor of the modern 3D craze. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've seen Avatar without 3D. I saw it 3D in the movieplex. Yeah. At home, I watched mm-hmm. the regular Blu-ray. It was fine. I didn't bother me. I've been watching TV for a hundred years, <laughs> and you know, 3D is fine. It's fun, but not as a daily diet. And I think that's what the TV makers learn. The key here is that the argument they had to pose was to say, you're going to have to be uncomfortable to get this feature. And yeah, people well, don't care. Well, that's part of the problem, too, is a lot of a lot of people have trouble with 3D. Either they can't see it. It gives me headaches. Right. Like, for, for instance, I went and saw Avatar and IMAX 3D. And for me, IMAX and 3D do not mix because the screen is so large, like... You know that scene where he's wrestling the flying dragon thing, trying to tame it? Sure. Like, that, like there's so much action. He was moving around so fast. I had, like, one eye going to one end of the screen and another eye going to the other end of the screen. I I just saw double of everything. I mean, yeah, when it works, it works great. The uh, That intro scene where they're pulling the guy out of storage and, and you, see, you can see the depth of that space chamber the guy's floating around in. That looks cool. Actually, the most impressive, this is kind of embarrassing, but the most impressive 3D movie I saw was Jackass 3D. I saw that in theaters, and they, they really had fun with the 3D effect. But, I mean, you know, for the most part, it's a gimmick. It doesn't add much to the experience. You know, I've tried some of them out in stores. Like, you know, I'll go to Best Buy sometimes just to play with things. And the home 3D just didn't seem like it worked very well. I, I tried a few different sets that are on display, and I, I never saw much of a 3D effect. That might just be me. You know what it is? Part of it is that some movies are made with 3D in mind, mm-hmm. and they're filmed in 3D with special cameras. Mm-hmm. Others, they add it later on. Now, the yeah, one exactly. thing I didn't like about Avatar is that, as an example... Sigourney Weaver? Sigourney Weaver. Okay? She looked kind of chunky. In the 3D Chunky. version, she looked much better in the 2D version. So not everybody hmm. looks to their best advantage in 3D. Oh. Frankly speaking, I think for most people, 3D is a no-go. But part of the problem is here is that 
the TV makers have already convinced you to get high definition. You buy a new TV set, it's going to last, what, 10 years, more? Most yeah, TV sets have years. great longevity. They use very little power, very so therefore you don't have these power supplies burning up. Mm-hmm. They last real long time, especially some of these new LCD, LED backlit displays with local dimming and all these features. They last a long time. How do they convince you to buy a new set? Maybe the picture is a bit better, but not that much better. I mean, you have yeah. to look at them side by side. So Ultra but- HD is going to convince you to buy a new set, not because everything is Ultra HD or the content is there, but if you can't see the difference in resolution, the colors will look a little bit better, look a little bit sharper. So the point being here is that the picture will look slightly better, and they're hoping you'll upgrade. Because TV sales are flat. Yeah, well, you know... And that's not a pun, by the way. (laughs) I, I I think they'll remain flat. And here's why, because... Most people, you know, we're, we're kind of on the geeky end of things, but most people I know who bought a 3D TV didn't even know it was 3D. Or like, they're like, oh, hey, it's also 3D because you didn't get a choice. It's like, okay, well, if you get the 50-inch TV, it has 3D, and that's all, that's all there is to it. And I'm sure the same thing will happen at 4K. I don't think – I'm not even sure most people really take full advantage of the current high definition. I know a lot of people who, who will hook up cable boxes with RCA – cables um, to their high-def TV, and you go over to their house, it looks blurry and fuzzy, and you, you just kind of want to scream and, and <laughs> disconnect everything and redo it for them, but well, we're kind of like that. Like we have, we have the most basic cable package possible, and because Comcast charges a premium for high-definition channels and for a high-definition box, we, we don't get it because we don't watch that much cable TV. We, we have it mostly for HBO, so we can watch on the Apple TV, and you know, so yeah, we just have standard definition cable that we wa- we watch occasionally. But yeah, I'm not. It, it will even like even if you have an HD box with like Comcast, a lot a lot of channels look bl- blurry and fuzzy to me, like because they have so much compression. So you know, people aren't taking full advantage of even 1080p now. I'm not sure they're. It's probably going to be a good 10, 20 years even before people, you know, across the board are going to be able to take good advantage of 4k i mean yeah i'm sure the 4k movies will come out here in a year or two and i'm sure they'll look fantastic but that that's still more of an enthusiast thing even even high definition blu-ray to a certain extent is still kind of an enthusiast thing i I know plenty of people who still buy dvds by the bucket load because they're cheap they're you know you go to walmart and there's a five dollar bin here here's like 10 dvds that came out in the past year (laughs) you know go nuts well you know what the blu-ray bin is maybe six dollars yeah, look it, they, they, they've dropped in price a lot. I I don't even have a Blu-ray player. I have a PS3, which acts as a Blu-ray player. And so I got some Blu-rays, and at first they're they're all like twenty bucks or so. Now, yeah, you can get them for six to eight bucks. But even then, like most people, at least most people I know, and you know, this is um, you know, just my own experience. Most people I know don't don't even know the difference and don't really seem to care. As, as long as they see the picture, they don't care what resolution it's in or any of that. Well, you see, this is the dilemma that the TV makers face. They're trying to sell you quality. But most people mm-hmm. don't care. They go in there and they say, oh, this is a great set. What is it? Okay, this one is $400. This one is $300. I don't see much of a difference in picture. I'll get exactly. the $300 one. I have a relative who bought a 42-inch TV set, Hitachi, which is mm-hmm. a low-end line, for like $240 at Sam's Club. Now, I went to their home and I played with it. It's a pretty decent set. It's because mm-hmm. the minimum quality level of high-definition TV is basically very good. Yeah. 
Yeah, it looks pretty good, especially compared to what we were watching for, you know, 40 years or so. Well, yes, most people seem to care about two things, price and size. Like resolution, like that most people have no idea what a 1080 is or a 720 or whatever the heck you're talking about. You know, most people, yeah, it's like, and wherever I get in discussions with with people about TVs, you know, outside of my geeky friend circle, it's like, oh, what size do you have? And, you know, I have a 40 inch sharp, but I was really proud of it because I got it for like what was a good price a few years ago, 500 bucks. And it was 1080p and had all these like, you know, good like picture accuracy features. And yeah, no one cares about that. But, oh, well, mine's 50 inch, you know, <laughs> like, like I'm some sort of hobo for having a 40 inch TV. Now. You know what? Um, 40 inches. Nobody can have a 40 inch set anymore. That's no good, Josh. Josh that, Centers of set. Tidbits joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Great minds think alike. The network for the independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now I can help you reduce or eliminate your tax debts and end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce and eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. And with the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Great news, pure water lovers. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has a special discount offer for all GCN listeners. You can't do better than a Big Berkey for economy. For only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. There's none better than a Big Berkey for emergency preparedness as a backup water source. And you just can't beat a Big Berkey to remove dangerous chlorine, all types of fluoride, pathogenic bacteria, cysts, parasites, and unhealthy 
byproducts from municipal water. Berkey water filter systems are even powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. For the gold standard in water filters, get a Big Berkey at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. For details, call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. It's no secret that silver is one of the oldest known natural antibiotics, but the mainstream media will never tell we the people this information. Why? Many drug companies and politicians have dangerous alliances that manipulate the way we live by prescribing drugs that only manage disease, keeping us dependent on big pharma. And with Obamacare at our doorstep, we are now forced into a system that many of us do not want any part of. And no man or government has the right to dictate how we as free people choose to take care of our health. The patriots at utopiasilver.com hold this truth dear. Colloidal and ionic silver supplements from utopiasilver.com open the door to a whole new world of natural healing for the body and the mind. Visit utopiasilver.com and discover the safe and effective health benefits of colloidal and ionic silver. Call 888-213-4338. 888-213-4338. And talk to the patriots at utopiasilver.com, a leading source of natural healing using colloidal silver, colloidal gold, minerals, vitamins, and herbs. Utopiasilver.com. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. I have to tell you, though, that for a lot of my adult years, I didn't have a TV set with more than a 20-inch screen. When I got a 20-inch TV, I said, gosh, that is big. <laughs> and then I got one for extended review from Vizio. We've talked about mm-hmm. the set. 55 inches, that is incredible. It's also incredible about the fact that that set now is probably about $700. Yeah, they're very affordable. Well, they, I remember, they are. Um, Long time ago, back when I was a teenager, my, my dad started. Uh, my dad's business started doing pretty well, and so we decided to get a big TV, thirty-two inches. <laughs> right. Nowadays, that's like, oh, that's a cute bedroom TV. You can get one of those for about a hundred bucks. <laughs> well, I got my forty-inch TV. I was like, wow, this is amazing. This is like going to the movies theater you know like i've never had a tv so big and now people are like oh that that's a nice little that's that's cute you can put that in your bathroom (laughs) we were thinking here though if we move to a larger place and we have like a second bedroom because right now the second bedroom is really my office we have a Mm -hmm. second bedroom and we put a second tv set in there we look well 42 inch tv as you say 250 dollars perfect And the reason is our second TV set used to be a 27-inch Sony CRT from about 1994, which Mm -hmm. as of the time we gave it away last year, worked absolutely perfect just like new. Lasted forever. And anytime I've had a problem with a set, it's always been the power supply. So there you go. That's TVs. The key here is that the manufacturers want you to have Ultra HD. The other thing they're showing is wearables. Okay, yeah. everybody's got a smartwatch. Are they anticipating what Apple might do? Do people care oh, about smartwatches? Well, to answer the first question, yes. Uh, everyone, every time someone thinks Apple's working on something, they go into panic, and we usually see that at CES. You know, a few years ago, 
you know, everyone thought Apple was working on a tablet, which they were. And so everyone had their own tablets, which most of those we've never even heard of again, including Microsoft's. What was it? The the two screen one that looked like a book, which looked really cool. And then they killed it. But yeah, this year we're seeing the same thing. Everyone thinks Apple's working on some kind of watch, and so everyone has a watch. And um, Pebble, who kind of broke ground in this current state of this field, they announced um, the Pebble Plus or Pebble, you know, the the new one with the metal wristband, and they're going to have an app store and and all that. And then Sony, Sony has a new fitness tracker they're coming out with, and and Jeff's looking at some of those things. He's he's writing up an article comparing. He's going to write up an article comparing some of those. For tidbits in the future, but uh, right now, I, I don't know. I, I just don't find them very interesting or compelling in any way. The um, let's see, Samsung had the with the Galaxy Gear, right. which seems like more of a joke than an actual product. You know, it's kind of funny when you look at the Galaxy Gear. They sold it for three hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. It worked on two or three Samsung mobile devices, and then you look at the Pebble, and the basic Pebble is one hundred fifty, mm-hmm. and does the same thing, but works on a lot of Android devices and iOS. At the CES, they introduced something called the Pebble Steel for $250. Now, Pebble claims (laughs) to have sold 300,000 units of the basic Pebble smartwatch. It doesn't sound like much, but we're talking about here is a tiny startup company that funded itself through a Kickstarter campaign. And I don't know what they did with the people who invested. I guess they had the chance of possibly getting a free or low cost smartwatch i don't know yeah the, the the way that yeah the way that kickstarter worked i remember when there was still a kickstarter you could spend i don't know if you put like 125 into it you would get one of the first models and then everyone ended up waiting like about a year longer than they thought because it took it took a, as most kickstarters do it took a lot longer to actually manufacture them than they realized i think it's one of those cases like it's it's interesting to geeks right now because like oh what can this thing do and and you know the pebble on paper seems like a neat thing i just i haven't seen a practical use for it yet like oh you can see your text messages okay i can see those on my phone <laughs> you know i I'm just uh, I'm not impressed with what I've seen so far. It just doesn't excite me in any real way. Now the fitness trackers are kind of interesting. You know I see a utility there, but but it's one of those things. I, I'm not sure I would use one much. I know a lot of people do, but they also seem to break a lot because you know they're worn pretty hard. Well, if you don't wear a watch, I can't see where a smartwatch will make a difference. If you do wear a watch. Well, I don't know. I have a guest watch here that I guess I got about five or ten years ago for, I don't know, $79 or something at one of those super, super uber discount stores where it used to be like $189. Mm-hmm. And it still runs perfectly. You wonder about a smartwatch where the software and everything will be outdated in a couple of years because that's the way smartphones work. So. Mm-hmm. What's the longevity factor? I think people, when they get watches, don't they like to have them for a number of years? I don't know. That's one thing. Well, the, the other thing is style. These days, you don't need a watch to tell time. Everyone has a smartphone in their pocket. A lot of people in my age range don't wear watches because we don't need to. I, I've tried wearing a watch, and it, I, I just don't get along with them very well. But the you know, if, if you wear a watch nowadays, it's either because you're so used to wearing a watch that you feel naked without it, or you wear it for fashion, for style. And these these smartwatches look goofy. The Pebble, even the Pebble Steel, looks a little goofy, looks a little cheap. Now, I wrote a speculative article a while back about Apple's supposed iWatch or what have you. And I think they're working on it. I think they're testing it out. 
I think this is part of the reason why we've seen them hire uh, two fashion CEOs recently <laughs> to Apple, you know, because if they're going to do a watch, they have to make it look good. Well, A, because it's an Apple product, so of course it has to look good. And also just people people won't buy these things if they, if they look silly. If they look like something from the Jetsons, uh, people aren't going to buy that. People want something that, I don't know, looks sleek and fashionable. And, you know, Apple's always kind of been a fashion-forward company. I mean, even the, you know, the iPods, you know, were very fashionable back when those were still a big seller, you know, and, and Apple came out with these different colors of iPod and, you know, had these very stylish TV ads, you know, so that that's going to be the trick. Like, how can you make something like like a electronic watch look cool? Yeah, no, I understand your point. How do you do that? And furthermore, how do you how do you convince teenagers to wear a watch? Because most teenagers, you know, most uh, people in their 20s and even early 30s now don't wear a watch. As I said earlier, because there's there's time telling devices everywhere, so you're going to have to give them a compelling reason, either in terms of functionality or in terms of fashion, that they want to spend money on a you know a smartwatch. Going to be a hard sell, but the big question is here: Does Apple see the need? Because we could have said some of the same things about digital music players back around 2000 or so. Mm-hmm. That, you know, who wanted them there? weren't so great. They <laughs> no Wi-Fi laid. All that stuff. But Apple came out with the iPad and basically made the case for such a product. Mm-hmm. Can yeah. Apple make the case? Oh, I think if anyone can, it's Apple. You know, the one thing they're good at is convincing people to buy things they didn't want to buy before. You know, people didn't care about MP3 players until the iPod. People didn't care about smartphones until the iPhone. People didn't care about tablets, and tablets were around for a long time. Um, you know, that, that used to be a CES mainstay back in the early 2000s, and, you know, no one really cared until Apple made it, put it in a sexy package. You know, so that's the question. Can Apple do that? I think they can. The question is, do they have something? I'm sure. I'm sure they have some prototypes. Do they have something they're happy with? And do they see a compelling use case? You know, I mean, of course, Steve's not around anymore. But one of the things, you know, um, if you read his bios, you read the stuff on him. He always wanted to know, well, why am I going to tell? How am I going to tell people what to do with this? You know, like what's the what's the sales pitch here? And so that's going to be. Um, one of their challenges going forward. Now, I, I think they have a good executive team who can who can figure out what the sales pitch is, but you know we'll see. You know, I mean, they they could release it and it'd be a huge flop. You know, maybe they never release it. Maybe it's kind of like their supposed TV project that we we have yet to see. You know, um, you know who knows? I mean, they, you know, a lot of people keep saying wearables are the future, and maybe they are, but uh, we see. I, I haven't seen any. Much convincing evidence other than the fact that Pebble had a successful Kickstarter, which doesn't really prove anything. Lots of goofy products have successful Kickstarters and go nowhere. Look at the ooya. <laughs> I don't even know what that is, but I'll ask him. Josh Centers joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Man Cow has found a new home. The Genesis Communications Network, GCN. 
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE, 855-340-7283. To thank you for being a loyal listener, we have a limited-time freebie offer for you. Claim your free heirloom tomato seeds, just pay shipping, right now at 123freeseeds.com. These aren't ordinary seeds. These are heirloom, non-genetically modified super seeds that are open-pollinated and can be grown, harvested, and replanted endlessly. These survival seeds are actually more valuable than gold in a crisis. Go to 123freeseeds.com and you can get an airtight storage packet of 150 super seeds free while supplies last to say thank you for being a loyal listener. First come, first served. Just cover shipping. Go to 123freeseeds.com now to see if your free heirloom seeds are still available. That's 123freeseeds.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, veterinarian and naturopathic physician. The Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy with an important message. Take charge of your health. Do not continue to blindly follow the system that has failed us all. I appreciate GCN listeners because you're open-minded and intelligent. If our system is so great, why is it that the United States, the USA, ranks nearly 60th worldwide in longevity and number one in obesity? All the while, we spend more money than all the other countries combined annually on unnecessary health care procedures and toxic drugs. It doesn't take much to get on track, not with the government or pharmaceutical companies, but rather you in control of your own health with a basic understanding of nutrition and supplementation. FDI Longevity has the finest quality health, sports, and energy supplements available. GCN listeners are invited to join our team of people who want to stay healthy well into old age. We are currently looking for specialists to represent FDI Longevity and save America. To buy products at wholesale prices or join our business team, go to GCNteam.com. That's GCNteam.com. Support GCN. Get healthy. 
know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. Okay, Josh Centers of Tidbits uttered the name of a product that was funded with a Kickstarter campaign that I never heard of. What is it called again? Yes, the Ouya. Ouya. Sounds like something you do if you're in the Marines or something. Yeah. <laughs> so is this the, for uh, people who are in the Marines? Uh, it could be. It's a sort of an indie-focused, very hackable gaming console, and it, it sells for about a hundred bucks about $99 and it's Android powered. And the whole idea is that you it's, it's like an Android phone except hooked up to your TV and they have a store where you can go buy games and, you know, catered a lot towards uh, independent developers. And it's, you know, had a very successful Kickstarter campaign. I think they raised something like $10 million that they raised a lot more than they were asking for. And it's, it's been a total flop because it's not powerful enough. Um, the software has been bad. The controllers are really bad. That's, that's something that, companies seem to have a hard time with is gaming controllers yeah and it's it's kind of been relegated to a joke now unfortunately because I, I like the idea of it yeah so it just goes to show you that a really popular successful kickstarter campaign does not it might mean there's interest there but it doesn't mean that it's going to translate to good products well it doesn't really mean that it'll translate to big consumer interest you know for instance after the success of the ouya kickstarter everyone thought well micro consoles are the future and you know sony released uh this thing called the vita tv which is like a version of their vita handheld except you hook it up to a tv and it's it's like 99 dollars very cheap and hasn't had a lot of traction it seems like and you know i was even convinced of this you know i thought apple with the Apple TV, they were going to put an A7 in it, and you know they got control, controller support now for iOS. So, oh, they'll add controller support, and they'll open an app store, and you can play games in your Apple TV. Nah, didn't happen. I was totally wrong. So it just, just goes to show, one thing I've learned is that you can't use Kickstarter as a gauge of the market. I mean, you can use, I mean, yeah, there's a niche interest in some of these things, but it doesn't necessarily translate to success. But if you want to raise capital, it's one way because oh, yeah. it gives everybody an equal chance. All right. So let's look at your guy over at the Consumer Electronics Show, Jeff mm-hmm. Porton. And Jeff, as you say, likes to look at interesting or unusual objects like the Frog Pad 2. Yes. What the heck is a Frog Pad 2? Oh, that's a good question. It's a, it's a, like a cording keyboard. It's like, so you can type with one hand, basically. Not for me. I'm looking at it right now, and, and it's one of those devices. There's all these devices I frankly just don't get. The, uh, the frog pad actually looks attractive, though. Have you seen the, um, oh, there's another one. Maybe this, oh, the, the True Grip. You attach it to an iPad, and it's got this crazy split keyboard. That you know, that's one of the, again one of those things that I think is kind of a freak show. And then, of course, they have the CTA Digital Universal Pedal Stand with roller roll holder for tablets that holds both your iPad and a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> Let me ask you a question here, though. Okay, I go back to Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Now, according to what your colleague reports. <laughs> I'm going to give you the name of this product, and you're going to basically have a freak time. When I tell you, it's called the PowerUp 3.0 Smartphone-Controlled Paper Airplane. Yes. And they were going to raise $50,000. They have raised $900,000. 
mm-hmm. to fund this device, my friends, I am in the wrong business. Yeah, we I are. am in really the wrong business here. I am in such a wrong business. Nine hundred thousand dollars for a paper <laughs> yeah. airplane controlled by Bluetooth. Mm-hmm. Tell me yeah. about this crazy thing. Oh uh, well, you know, I, I looked at this when I was editing the article. It's uh, let's see. So if you pledge, if you pledged forty dollars, oh, you can still the Kickstarter is still open. So you know, you may be waiting a while, but you pledge forty dollars or more, you get um. Well, these smart modules, and and basically what it is is you make the paper airplane, you fold your own paper airplane, and then you attach this gizmo to it, and it includes a little battery and a propeller, and then you can control your paper airplane from your iPhone. There's like an app you'll be able to download. So it, it's a really interesting idea. You you attach you know you attach this thing to to you make a paper airplane, you attach this to it, and then you supposedly can fly it with an iPhone. I, I'm I'm a little skeptical of how well this is going to work in practice, um, but I mean, if it works well, I, I think it'd be really cool. But um, I haven't had very much luck with uh, flying toys like this. Like my my wife got me a little remote control helicopter for Christmas. I'm like, oh, this is really cool, and I, I try to fly it, and like every time I try to fly it, it just it doesn't take takes it doesn't go straight up. It goes to the side a bit first, so like I have to give it you know a good five feet of clearance in all directions. <laughs> Otherwise, it'll just crash into something and and never take off. And even then, you can't really steer it. So, well, I'm afraid of with this thing is you're gonna you're gonna fling it and you're gonna try to. By the time you open your phone to control it, it's already gonna be like hit a tree or hit the ground or something or somebody's face. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about this. I was watching the CBS show NCIS. That's about the Naval mm. Criminal Investigative Services, and they had somebody there who had stolen some drones. They were reprogramming it to attack people. Drones. And I'm thinking yeah. of paper airplane. I'm thinking, okay, how far is this from a drone? By the <laughs> way, this company, this Power Up 3.0 smartphone paper airplane thingy, as of the time we're doing the show. $927,000. Yeah. It says you can actually make a pledge of $1. And I'm thinking maybe yeah. I should put a dollar in there. I might be totally wrong. If I put my dollar in there, I'll get two back or something. I'll get back a paper no, airplane. You, I don't know what no, I'll get back. You get nothing. You're just showing your support. You have to donate. Um, yeah, at least to get the paper airplane, I think you have to donate least 40 bucks uh forget about oh, no, it no, no, no. Oh, okay well if you do, if you donated 30 dollars early on you would have gotten a big discount but uh let's see oh and if you if you pledge 30 now you get a you get a bare bones package so yeah you, you'd have you have to donate at least 30 dollars to get anything but then yeah I, I think current uh financial rules keep you from being actually be able to make any money on this thing which is a shame i i, I would put a dollar or two into a lot of things if I can make like a you know a dollar or two back, that would be a lot of fun. Um, I'll tell you the um, up, upcoming article we're working on right now is actually I think the best one yet in terms of actual kind of interesting gadgets. There's um, one we're looking at. It's called the Sense Mother, and what it is, it's a um, say that again. With, you cut out. It's called the what? It's called the Sense Mother. And wait a minute, we're what, getting to language here. We got to be careful. <laughs> the uh, but what the sense mother does is that it has um, has what they call cookies, and what they are, they're motion sensors, and so uh, this, it's kind of geared toward child and elderly care. Okay, so the what the sense mother is, it comes with these little cookies, and they're they're motion sensors, and this thing's 
it's kind of aimed toward child and elderly care. Um, and so what you can do, like, for instance, if you want to know if your kid brushed his teeth, you would attach one of these cookies to it. And this cute little sense mother device can detect and report to you whether your kids move the toothbrush. Or if you want to know if grandpa's taking his heart pills, you can attach a cookie to, uh, um, to his medicine bottle. And if it hasn't moved, then it will tell you. So, and, and that's a neat idea. The, the problem, part of my problem with CES stuff, it, you know, the novelties is that either they're completely useless or if they're, if they're useful, they're really expensive. For instance, this is shipping in the second quarter of this year and it starts at $222. And then if you want, it comes with four cookies. And then if you want four more cookies, it's $99. Um, so it's, it's a little pricey. It's a neat idea. Now, a more affordable thing that I found out about that I think is pretty cool is this thing called the the Lucy. And and they're coming out with a new one called the Lucy Ore, which I'll get to in a second. But what the Lucy is, it's an inflatable solar-powered lantern. And it, it sells for about $14.99. And uh, it's, it's aimed at the third world, like places like Africa where the infrastructure isn't so great. Right? And you get one of these lanterns, and yeah, you just open it up, you, you inflate it, and it it just lights up, and that's all there is to it. You don't need batteries, you don't need um, you know a power outlet. It's very cool. And then they're coming out with a new one called the Lucy Aura, which has multiple colors that you can uh, you can uh, change on it. So, and that that'll be for twenty four ninety nine uh, later this year. Um, so yeah, that's. Uh, that's one of the cooler products I've seen out of CES, and those are coming in an upcoming article. I'll tell you, it's kind of fun to just watch the things that they put up at CES, and you take a percentage of what mm-hmm. you see, and you wonder how many actually ever see the light of day. How many of these products, six months down the pike, can you actually buy at some store or online or anywhere. I want to ask you also about the robots, by the way. We're always seeing oh, yeah, crazy robots. robots. Every year at Consumer Electronics Show, you see the robots running around, and you wonder at what point do the robots start doing anything constructive. Josh Centers joins us. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. 
A healthy digestive system supports a healthy immune system. And a healthy immune system protects you against infections and disease. Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse, available at Terraganics.com, is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM1 is a powerful liquid probiotic and is gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM1 contains three groups of beneficial microbes and enzymes to cleanse and remove toxins, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, and aids in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, is non-GMO, has all natural certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is never freeze-dried. Pro-EM1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM1, the raw probiotic. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. On the Tech Night Owl Live, Josh Centers joins us. We're looking at the Consumer Electronics Show and all the wild and wicked gadgets. Okay, robots... Jumping, rolling, flying. What yeah. is the Sphero 2B? The Sphero 2B. Hold on. i got to look at it. We, we've had so many robots that... It's kind of like can't. the Tumber, by the way. Yeah, the original, like, yeah, the Batmobile from Batman Begins. Yeah, it's the, it's the rolling robot, which um, looks like a neat toy. I, I like the look of the Phantom 2 Vision, but it's a little bit on my price and just $1,200, but it's a quadcopter with a wide angle. It's got a 14-megapixel camera, so um, it seems to have a lot of power to it. So I, I, can have, I can see having a lot of fun flying that around a city. Also, um, the creators of the Parrot AR drone have created a, a land-based robot called the Jumping Sumo that you can control, like the, like the AR drone, you can control it with an iPhone or an iPad. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of robots at CES this year. There's the, uh, the Sphero, which is, um, it's like a, kind of like, yeah, like you said, like the Tumblr from Batman. It's a neat little uh, rolling toy. Also, the uh, Parrot, the makers of the AR drone, which is a, it's like a drone you can fly with an iPhone or an iPad. They have a, a new land-based robot called the Jumping Sumo. And uh, Jeff was talking about about how the demonstrators showed that the jumping sumo he could actually get to land on the iPad he was controlling it with, which is kind of cool. my personal favorite is um, the Phantom Two Vision, which is uh, it's a little out of my price range. It's twelve hundred bucks, but it includes a fourteen megapixel camera and it looks to just be a beast of a machine. I think that would be a lot of fun, uh, a lot of fun to fly around town. Um, but yeah, none of these robots are, you know, they're not, they're not as useful, say, like R2-D2. Just the, you know, like the, the room is probably about the most uh, useful robot you can buy. The rest of these, the, you know, they're, they're glorified toys at this point. I'll tell you, wacky stuff out there. Yeah. Yeah. Can't wait for all those robots, you know, to take over. <laughs> of course, right now, there are these couple of TV shows where people have like little robots and computers in their heads. Like yeah. Intelligence... This show featuring the guy from Lost, with the long hair from Lost. Oh, yeah, uh, Josh Holloway. Josh Holloway. And he plays somebody who's got this little chip implanted in his head. Mm. And it makes him knowledgeable about anything. 
So if you ask him a question, his app in his head immediately helps him out. You know, imagine a- sticking one of those in your head and you're taking a college entrance exam and you pass. <laughs> but is it you or are you cheating to have a computer in your head? Hey, because I'm, you already have a computer in your head being your brain. If you add an extra computer, are you cheating? Well, maybe, but you know, frankly, I wouldn't care. I would jump all over that. I, I read uh, Williamson's Neuromancer when I was like 12 years old, and uh, it, it's a cyberpunk classic from 1984. And that's where a lot of these ideas come from, like this, like a matrix, like a computer matrix you plug your brain into, and and that idea is in Neuromancer. Like there are people who have uh, like uh, chip slots installed in their skull. And they can put like a chip in so they can play piano and they put a chip in so they can fly a helicopter. I would totally go for that. That would be incredible. If you like to fly. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know if I want to do the helicopter bit. I've been on planes many times. I've never been on a helicopter. I mean, I've seen helicopters up close and personal. Yeah. Yeah. I've never actually rode one. I don't know. Games, but yeah, never actually been in one. Okay. Looking at the wacky devices. Mm -hmm. Here's one which is more about business than gadgets, called Tradia. Now, Tradia is for doing online bartering? Yeah, um, it's, yeah it's, it's kind of like the equivalent of uh, you know, trying to trade a chicken for a phone or <laughs> something to that effect. And then um, the, the business model is they charge three bucks on both ends. So like maybe you have an Android tablet and you rather have an iPad, and maybe there's a guy with an iPad who'd rather have an, an Android tablet. So, so uh, you know, it's... So the business model is uh, they charge three dollars in each end, um, so they make six bucks in each successful trade, and then um, so you know for instance if if you have an Android tablet and you'd rather have an iPad, you know you could say well, I'll trade you my Nexus Seven for an iPad too, and maybe there's someone who has an old iPad laying around they'd rather have you know one of the newer Android tablets, so you could do something like that. Um, you know, I'm I'm not sure how how well that'll work. Um, in that line, one of the more interesting uh, entries here is there's a service called uh, Dandy, and I think that's that's in an upcoming article. But what Dandy is is that you you just you go to this website and you describe your idea for an app, like an iPhone app, and it, if somebody develops it, then you get a cut of the profit. With um, I can see a lot of problems with that, but it it sounds it sounds interesting. Um, I, I know I know there's a lot of app ideas I've had that I I wouldn't know where to start creating them. So I, I think the idea is fundamentally fundamentally interesting. I'm just not sure if uh, developers are going to jump all over that because you know, ideas are easy. It's implementation that's that's difficult. And once again, the way it works at Consumer Electronics Show, when you buy an exhibit space. No one's going to check out whether your product really exists or not. You get publicity. Mm -hmm. Maybe you use that to generate funding. I don't know. But there you go. And that, of course, is Consumer Electronics Show. Fascinating. Another fascinating thing maybe you want to get into here. We just heard the other day that Alan Mulally, the CEO of Ford, says he will Mm -hmm. not take the job as CEO of Microsoft to replace Steve Ballmer. And what I'm seeing here is a lot more people are saying no to that position. They're having an awful time. Balmer <laughs> announced his retirement back in August. And you think, being CEO of Microsoft, you know, people would be lining up, but they're not lining up. Or if they are lining up, the ones who are are not really qualified. Well, well, 
Gene, in that regard, I have put my hat in the ring. I have pub- I have offered to Microsoft publicly on Twitter. Uh, I am completely willing to take over the responsibilities of CEO of Microsoft. I I have one condition, and that is the you know much like when when Steve Jobs came back to Apple, the entire board must resign. So I can you know we're going to have a new board, and, and that's really all I ask. And I don't think that's asking too much. I will take I will take a modest you know, salary, like you know like how much does Balmer make a year? You know, probably. Yeah, I don't know, like several million dollars. I will take one million. Just pay me one million a year. I, I will happily run Microsoft to the best of my ability, and and you know we will push Microsoft into the future, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. I mean, no one else is lining up, so I mean, I I'm here. I'm available. You know, um, but yeah. you wouldn't work for a dollar a year like Steve Jobs did. Well, but no, at least I'm, if they give you a plane and stock options, I, I'm a working man CEO. I, I you know. You know, you got these rich guys who take a dollar. Now, I, I need I need some compensation, you know, but but I'm not I'm not asking for a, they don't even need to give me stock. They can keep the stock and the plane. I will fly coach. You know, I'm a I'm an economical CEO. I don't want to waste uh, the, the shareholders' money. You know, just just give me my million a year, and I will pay. I will happily pay the tax on it, and and I will run Microsoft. And I I think it's a good deal. And right now, it's probably the best one they have. Um, but but to be more serious. Um, I'm actually glad Mulally turned it down. But I have a lot of respect for him. Um, I back when he when he went from Boeing to Ford, I was actually writing about cars at the time, so I wrote I wrote about Mulally a bit, and I think he's done a great job with Ford. Um, it's one of the few American car makers that isn't a total mess right now. Well, um, the others depended on bailouts. The only thing that bothers me about mm-hmm. Ford, since you follow mm-hmm. the company, you understand this. They mm-hmm. signed up with Microsoft for their infotainment system. So you have my Ford Touch, which has been mm-hmm. an unmitigated disaster. It has really hurt Ford's presence in terms of reliability ratings. You yeah. know, even if the cars are reliable, that just drags it down. Yeah, true. Well, they had before that, they had uh, Sync, right? They had the, the Ford Sync that was built on Microsoft. And that, I understood that, that worked pretty well, and then they they tried to add a touchscreen to it. Which touchscreens and cars just they, they're not a good mix usually. Which is I think why Apple's going for this use your iPad in the car instead. Which I think that's also a terrible idea. But um, but it, back to my point, um, you know I think Milali has been you know pretty good for Ford. You know I mean sure. No, he's, uh, you know, Except was, for dealing with Microsoft, he's done great. We'll have more to yeah. talk about here with okay. Josh Centers. From Tidbits, I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. You know, folks, I have a close relative who has been trying to set up a website. He gets his domain, looks great, but what about the site? What does he do next? Where does he start? Well, Squarespace, it's the all-in-one platform, makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. Squarespace offers 24-7 support. And it's cheap. It only costs as little as $8 a month. You know, really inexpensive to set up your professional website. And you can start a trial with no credit card required. Build your website today in minutes. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure you use the offer code Tech Night Owl. That's Tech Night Owl to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support to the Tech Night Owl Live. We thank Squarespace for supporting our show. Check them out at squarespace.com. 
squarespace.com. Do you know how much the dollar has lost in its value against other currencies in the last 90 days? Ever think about how inflation will change your life, your savings, your retirement plans? Remember inflation in Zimbabwe, Argentina, the Weimar Republic? Put another way, who cares if your investments go up 10%, but you lose 40% of your purchasing power? Gold is the only monetary asset as no one else's liability. Gold still buys the same amount of stuff it always did. Gold does not require trust in a third party. You can possess it in your hand. You can take it with you. Gold is real money. Gold is honest money. My name is Daniel Larson from Midas Resources. To find out how you can protect your savings and roll over your IRA funds into precious metals accounts, please call me at 800-686-2237, extension 134. That's 800-686-2237, extension 134. 800-686-2237, extension 134. Great news, pure water lovers. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has a special discount offer for all GCN listeners. You can't do better than a Big Berkey for economy. For only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. There's none better than a Big Berkey for emergency preparedness as a backup water source. And you just can't beat a Big Berkey to remove dangerous chlorine, all types of fluoride, pathogenic bacteria, cysts, parasites, and unhealthy bodies products from municipal water. Berkey water filter systems are even powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. For the gold standard in water filters, get a Big Berkey at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. For details, call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey water filters for the love of clean water. I have bought a few bottles of heart and body extract and have to say that it it certainly does work. That's what Jack from Michigan had to say after his experience with heart pain and what he did to treat it with heart and body extract. I actually had a huge heart flutter. I was also having some edema around my ankles and very worrisome clot in my uh, right leg that would happen from time to time while I was trying to sleep. Heart and body extract is all natural with no negative side effects. It will help repair or correct past problems associated with the heart and body circulation. After my second bottle of heart and body extract, all problems are now gone. Order at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. I ordered a third bottle of heart and body extract for maintenance as I want to keep everything working. Order heart and body extract at 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. Heart and body extract for a long and healthy life. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. So, of course, we all love cars, and now we're seeing, Josh, centers of tidbits that we have iOS in the car, Apple's initiative, where they license their technology to car makers. There's Android in the car. The UVO, UVO system for uh-huh. Kia is also powered by Microsoft, but based on my experience with Kias, it actually works. 
my brother-in-law drives a Kia, and it, it's his system seems to work pretty well, though it, it's kind of glitchy, you know, like all these in-car systems are. I would be happy if they all just had, like, a built-in auxiliary input, which is more common nowadays. But even, like, my car is a 2008 Toyota, and it doesn't have an auxiliary input, so... I need an FM transmitter and all this goofy stuff. You know, I, I don't want all electronics coming built into the car. Even the high end luxury cars, that stuff doesn't work well. Like I drive, I, you know, on the BMWs, it's, it's kind of a mess. I know some people like it, but it, most people don't because it's like, if you've never used it, it's like this big knob and, and it's a knob you can tilt also. And then, so for like text entry, anything like that, you have to like tilt this knob around it's yeah it's not fun to use and also you have to really train your muscle memory this is one of the things the car uh-huh. makers do not understand that when you're sitting in that vehicle and you've got to pay attention to driving so of course a lot of them mm-hmm. have thousands of buttons on the steering wheel that's the other way okay you can't reach up to the radio or to the air conditioner you either push a button and say a command hoping it will listen to your command yeah. or you push one of three thousand buttons And I just wonder, with all this electronics, whether or not we really need these drive-it-yourself cars where they figure it out for you and you just sit back and say, you know what, take me to Las Vegas. Good night. I don't think I could possibly sleep in a car that was driving me to Las Vegas. (laughs) I don't think I trust it. I'd say, you know what, guys? I am just going to sit back and drive like I've done for 95 years here. I don't see the reason for this, but, you know, what do I know? One thing that bothers me, though, is that some cars take away silly features like the radio. You used to have channel one on the radio if you're, you know, say you have a preset on your radio and you push one for one, two for two, et cetera, et cetera. Now you've got to go through a screen of multiple levels of navigation to push from one station to the next. Yeah, and the the screens aren't very good either, typically, and they they tend to burn out after few years well it comes to the electronics and the controls in a car i want maybe i'm just old-fashioned i want simple i want simple physical controls and you know my car doesn't have steering wheel controls but i've had cars with them before and those are nice if they're designed well if they're designed well you can tell what they are just by touching them if they're not designed well it's just a mess of uh, flat buttons yeah like i don't want to be messing with a touch screen while i'm going down the road i mean i have my iphone but yeah but like as far as built in the car because i mean you're lucky if they understand electricals in general like german cars tend to be really bad with their electrical systems you know i i I think it's better if they would just focus on what they do best and enable me to add my own device to the car you know now if they had like a built-in tablet mount and they had an auxiliary input you know something like that i you know i think ios in, in the car is a pretty neat idea we'll just we'll have to see how it works in practice so we'll see, but I'm, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm a little skeptical. I am too, but we'll have to see how that works. I think when it comes to cars, though, Apple really has no choice because Microsoft is in there already. Google is in there already with Android in the car, and even Audi, the luxury car division of Volkswagen, has an Android in the car, so Apple can do it. And the thing, of course, is that it's just software. Apple doesn't have to build auto hardware. And that's another question. Returning to the TV space, we argue about whether Apple comes out with a TV or a souped-up Apple TV set-top box. We have Roku, who is mm-hmm. probably the number one competition for an Apple TV. They're licensing their technology for some new TVs. So does Apple do that, too? Does Apple make yeah. a deal with the mainstream makers, the big companies, Vizio, Panasonic, Samsung even, and <laughs> LG, and say, will license Apple TV in your they, TV set so you get the interface, all the features, mm-hmm. 
and you don't have to buy the box, but they make a smart TV smart. I, I tell you what they might do. If they're going to license anything, they will license AirPlay. And they could make it so, yeah, like someone like Samsung, that would be really funny, actually. Samsung could have like a TV that accepts AirPlay input. Yeah, that probably won't happen. But like, I don't know, that's another manufacturer, like Vizio. Maybe Vizio will have an AirPlay compatible television. Like, Well, I mean, you see this receivers now, like um, AV receivers. There's a lot of those that have AirPlay, can act as an AirPlay receiver. So I could see that happening. Like even with iOS in the car, it's 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 more like AirPlay than it is because Apple's not going to trust a car maker with the hardware on that. You know, like the idea with iOS in the car is that, okay, yeah, they have a screen, but you bring your device and you beam, you know, your device's interface onto their screen. And much like AirPlay now, you know, Apple wants, wants and I would argue needs control of the hardware because otherwise they have no idea what the experience is going to be. We're seeing this now, uh, not to get off topic, but like uh, with Valve and the Steam Box, which is a new um, gaming console. It's more like a PC. It's more like a living room PC, but they it sounded really exciting. But then at CES, there's like 15 manufacturers all announcing different Steam Boxes. So if you, if you want... One of these consoles, it's like, okay, well, which one do you buy? You have to, <laughs> you have to compare them all. They're relinquishing control over the hardware, and I think that's going to be a big mistake for them, just like it would be a mistake for Apple. But yeah, I could see them licensing AirPlay. But yeah, in terms of just here's our here's our TV software, you can put do whatever you want with it. No, that that will never happen. Well, Apple might require a certain minimum level of hardware, so they yeah. would have to approve the hardware specs of the tv oh but like, even then i mean well, well like the controllers like you know the mfi controllers that was like the big deal apple has to approve all these and they have to meet certain standards and then they come out and so far they've been terrible so yeah another example of even when apple you know gives just a little bit of hardware control away it, it's a disaster no i well i mean i guess they could do anything but i don't see them doing it i don't think I, and furthermore i don't think it'd be a smart move well, it's all a question then of where Apple wants to go with this. Obviously, if you have a portable box like an Apple TV, and maybe they'll mm -hmm. add 4K or Ultra HD support to the next version. This way, anyone with a TV set mm -hmm. can go ahead and offer the technology, have the technology on their set. As long as they have an HDMI input, which is any recent TV set, mm -hmm. you buy your Apple TV for 100 bucks, and it'll have a better processor and maybe some more apps. You just plug it in. Switch to the input, and there you are. Yeah. And you live in Apple's environment. The key for Apple, then, is to offer more and more of your TV experience within the Apple TV box so you never go back to your cable box. Maybe replace yeah. your cable box. That's the other thing, too. Apple mm -hmm. makes a deal with the cable and satellite companies where they give you the Apple interface, kind of like TiVo is doing. Mm -hmm. The Apple interface and your DVR selections are made online in the cloud so you don't have to have a local hard drive, which is pretty old-fashioned. Josh yeah. Centers, tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. Okay. Um, I work for Tidbits. I'm the managing editor. That's tidbits.com. Um, you can also view my mostly uh, neglected website at joshcenters.com. And currently on Tidbits right now, uh, we're publishing a chapter a week for Tidbits members, my latest book, actually my first book, Take Control of Apple TV. And <laughs> Speaking of the devil. Yes, and you will be able to buy the, that book uh, from TakeControlBooks.com next month. Josh Centers, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you, Gene. Free 
from the shackles of corporate America. We're the place for independent thinkers. GCN. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Would you like being an insider? Would you like getting exclusive access to prizes and better deals? Would you like some help in making sure you and your loved ones are prepared for the next disaster or emergency? If you answered yes to any of these, here's your simple solution. Join Freeze Dry Guys Survival Insider Club. Not only is your membership free, you get $10 in survival bucks just for signing up. Then you save at least 10% on purchases, plus enjoy insider access to specials, prizes, and other exclusive offers. Since 1970, veteran-owned Freeze-Dry Guy has been your trusted source for long-lasting, easy-to-make freeze-dried food and dehydrated food, perfect for emergency preparedness, RV travel, and outdoor needs from camping to sailing. Enjoy life as a survival insider. Call Freeze-Dry Guy now at 866-404-3663, 866-404-FOOD, or log on to freezedryguy.com. That's freezedryguy.com. We travel so much, and having a fake TV, well, it gives added peace of mind. Burglars look for houses that appear to be easy targets, but fake TV can fool even professional burglars into thinking someone is home watching television. As a recent widow living alone, it gives me great peace of mind to set my fake TV near a window and know that passing motorists and pedestrians will think someone is home watching TV when I'm actually away from home. Fake TV easily plugs into any outlet, just like a light on a timer. And they're so easy to use, you just plug them in and they're ready to go. Plus, they're so affordable that we have one upstairs and downstairs. Fake TV is only $29.95 with free shipping. Order your fake TV by calling 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. That's 877-532-5388 or faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. My name's Bruno. I'm 52 years old. I've tried different protein powders over the years, and they've all tasted pretty bad. I tried One World Way and found it to be delicious. After 10 weeks on One World Way, my wife commented, you have more muscles and you're leaner than when you were 20 years old. My body has changed dramatically. I'm a cyclist. Normally, I'll ride two days on and take two days off. After being on One World Way, I rode 10 days in a row in over 100 degree heat, and then I take another two servings of One World Way, and then work out at the gym for another hour and a half. I just couldn't believe these results. My normal muscle tightness and soreness after working out are virtually gone. Don't take my word for it. One Real Way comes in single servings. Just give it a try. 
For a health and taste sensation you'll love, call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit oneworldway.com. That's oneworldway.com. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. Kirk McElhern, gee, I think I talked to you last week and you're back again for more abuse. It seems like just a few days ago, doesn't it? It really does. Let me ask you a question here. Have you ever been to a consumer electronics show? I haven't. Have you and ever I been really to a Macworld Expo? Well, I've been to Macworld shows when they were in Paris. Um, I've been to Mac shows in Paris. I don't remember when they did the last one. It was the mid-2000s at some point. Um, they stopped Paris probably around the same time as they stopped, was it Boston and or New York? It moved from Boston to New York? They moved from Boston to New York. But then right. the expo organizers, IDC, which is part of the same people who bring you Macworld magazine, they realize that in New York, it's pretty expensive to hold events of that nature. You know, you've got all these union regulations that even taking a box out of a truck, they had to hire the union guy to do it. Nothing against the union yep. guy. They deserve all the money they get and they work real hard. But it got to be expensive. So they wanted to bring it back to Boston. But Apple said, no, we're not going to do it. So they tried to run the expo in Boston for a year or two without Apple's participation, and it went nowhere. Yeah, I'm just trying to find when the last one was in Paris. Um, I know they did them for a number of years after it finished in Boston. It looks like 2006 was the last one. Um, When they canceled all of the non San Francisco ones, they another company tried to do one in London, which I recall. 2008 was canceled after it was announced. So 2007 was the last one. Um, They had actually announced it, and that was the year that they said they were going to be participating in only a handful of shows, which included San Francisco for, what, one or two more years? When was the last San Francisco show? I have to look it up. Apple was involved Yeah, they're still running the San Francisco show, but they've changed the name from Macworld Expo to Macworld iWorld. To accommodate right, because Apple's no longer involved, and because it's more than just Macs. Um, 2009 was the last one that Apple was involved in. And so at the end of 2008, that was the end of the involvement in Europe as well. So yes, I've been to a number in Paris. Um, they weren't anywhere near as big as Boston or San Francisco or even London, I don't think. Um, I remember one... And it might have been pre, what they called it, the Apple Expo. It might have been pre-Apple Expo in the early 1990s. Um, and I remember, so this is a good memory. I, this, was, so this was probably in 1992 because I bought my first Mac in 1991. It was a PowerBook 100. And I think in the fall of 1992, there was some sort of an Apple Expo in Paris. And I went and there were maybe 100 exhibitors on tables. It wasn't boots or anything fancy. And I remember B-Mug was there with their shareware discs and catalogs. And I remember Connectix was there and I bought RAM Doubler, which you have to say was the most useful utility of the OS 789 era. 
You know what? Tell our listeners what Ram Doubler was, because I bet a lot of people who are listening never heard of Max in the 1990s or thought of it as some other platform nobody cared about. RAM was so expensive back then. I remember my first Mac, a PowerBook 100, came with one megabyte of RAM. Um, I bought a second megabyte of RAM, and it was probably what you'd pay for about eight gigabytes today, if not more. But what RAM Doubler did is it compressed the RAM in a certain way that you could almost have twice as much RAM. Um, it did it in two ways. Part of it was actual c- compression in the RAM itself, so it was fast. And the other part was that it would write some of the RAM to disk, kind of like a virtual disk. So you would, in essence, when I had my two megabytes of RAM, RAM Doubler um, gave me access to four megabytes of RAM. Now, what's interesting is Apple has brought back a similar technology in Mavericks where they're compressing memory when it's in RAM, which makes a lot of sense. You can do it really fast. You can compress and decompress it really fast when it's in RAM. So it means that your actual, if you've got eight gigs of RAM in a Mac under Mavericks, you can be using more than eight gigs of RAM without using swap files and writing to disk and and using virtual memory. Now, have you noticed this really working well under practical use? What do you think? Well, my Mac Mini has 16 gigabytes of RAM. Um, As I look now, there are 6.24 gigabytes free. Um, No swap is used. So when I moved from 8 to 16, which was, I don't know, a year ago, um, this was under Mountain Lion, obviously not under Mavericks. And since Mavericks, I haven't had any RAM problems, but I rarely use the full 16. Um, the reason I upped the amount of RAM was I do use VMware Fusion occasionally to run Windows or other versions of Mac, Mac OS 10 or OS 10 on virtual disks. And that uses a lot of RAM. And I noticed that that was slowing down a lot. So upping from 8 to 16 made a difference under Mountain Lion. Now, the few times I've used Fusion under Mavericks, I just really haven't seen the difference. So I think the 16 is far more than what I'll ever need for the kind of work I do. Hmm. Let's go back to the history here. Now, Apple has concluded after all these years that the only public events they hold are the ones they stage themselves at their own venues. And that's it. And they feel they can get better coverage that way because this way they don't have to deal with a third party. Everything is under their control. They stage it when they have the products to release. And this is one of the pieces of logic that Apple used for pulling out of the Mac World Expo. And that is they were forced to have a product announcement for those events, even when something wasn't ready. And that puts them in a position of having to either release a product or announce a product prematurely. Because why would they come there if they didn't have anything to say? It's not just, look how great we are. Yeah, and it's just seven years ago this week that they introduced the iPhone, um, and as we've read in, uh, in the history of that presentation, it was really touch and go whether everything was going to work for that presentation in that January. Now, the iPhone wasn't sold until when? They started selling it several months after, right? They sold it March, in the April, spring something. or summer of 2007. Right, so they introduced it. Um, at a time in advance of when it was being sold, so they were working with prototypes. Um, And it's true that at that time, it was a Macworld Expo in San Francisco, so they were tied to that sort of 
third party requiring them to have new product, as you said. Exactly. And where's the advantage in that to Apple? And there is no advantage to Apple in doing anything of that nature. They'd rather do things there on is their no, own terms. They still get worldwide coverage. They get worldwide coverage for anything they say. They don't need to stage a special event at someone else's convenience. And Apple is, if no, anything, and, all about control. And as we've seen recently, they're sending out invitations for their presentations an awful lot later than they used to. Um, some years ago, it would be two or three weeks before they'd have a, a quote-unquote Apple event. And now it's, well, a week. And wasn't the last one even less than a week? Wasn't it like six days before? That's been that way for a while. And the thing I always complained about when I was going to those events is that they always did it at a time when it was too late to get the really cheap tickets on the air flight. So, you know, usually the, the airlines would require like a seven-day advance purchase or a two-week advance purchase, and Apple would always come up with these releases just one day too late. Yeah, or too soon, because if it's a day or two before, you can get a cheap ticket. Um, but it's in that window of less, fewer than seven days and, and more than, say, three days that it's a lot more expensive. But as you say, they have total control. They're not depending on not only a third party, but the people who were there. Now, obviously, the only people who got into the keynotes were, were the press, but you'd still have all of the other Apple faithful milling around. And in some ways, it just made an environment that they couldn't control because they just want the press looking at things the way they want them to look. And, and that's what all the other companies are doing, too, these days. Samsung is trying to do the same thing. Kirk McElhern joins us on the Tech Night Out Live. Headlines, suspensions, FCC investigations. That's man cow for you. Hear him here. GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for under $30,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet under $30,000. 
manufacturers. If you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for 129000 You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Take delivery in spring. 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. Ouch! My back is out again. Hi, Dr. Ortman with Wellspring Spinal Care. If you're experiencing neck, mid, or lower back pain, this information is for you. One of the complaints that I hear is patients receive their typical adjustment, only having to repeat them as the pain returns. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the battle. At Wellspring Spinal Care, we have the entire solution. We use the NUCA approach, utilizing three-dimensional x-rays and gentle touch technology to deliver specific correction. We then design a custom nutritional supplement program which provides essential nutrients targeting the areas of concern. With a NUCA approach and proper nutrition, you'll be on your way to a faster and more permanent recovery. To get you on the road to wellness, visit DrOrtman.com. That's D-R-O-R-T-M-A-N.com. Or call us today, 952-303-9124. That's 952-303-9124. Wellspring Spinal Care, chiropractic done right. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. But the real story here is not Apple's non-participation in third-party events. The real story is that we're coming up to 30 years of the Mac. Who could have thunk it? It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Now, as I said, um, my experience with the Mac started in 1991. Um, but 30 years, it's fair to say that 1991 is when the Mac went mainstream. Because if you remember, um, two things happened in the fall of 91. They introduced the first real portable computers, not that big thing that looked like an old Wang word processor. And they introduced System 7, which was a big change from System 6. It had better multitasking, etc. Um, and to me, that was really the pitch. It's not just because that's when I started getting Macs, but it was the period when Apple started looking more toward the future and having much more modern operating system. It wasn't long, long before, before they had a color laptop. I think it was maybe two years after that, if not even less. 
Um, so a lot of what we see in modern computing today started around that time. System 7, for those who don't remember, it was very revolutionary because in the past, I don't remember how you had to multitask with System 6, but it was a very clunky thing. You had to sort of, it was like switching from one thing to another, but it wasn't just Command-Tab. Do you remember what it was? For which now? When you wanted to switch from one app to another in System 6, when you wanted to do multitasking. Okay. System 6 had an early form of multitasking, but it was very clunky. Um, I'm just looking on Wikipedia. It says, yeah, it had the switcher. Many programs and features did not function correctly with the switcher, and the switcher didn't display windows of other applications beside the selected one. And it was something you had to buy separately on top of that. That's right. So the multi-finder, um, let's see. It, I started after that. Um, and System 7 did have better multitasking, um, but System 7, I think, is really the, the biggest change. Between the early Mac and OS X, System 7 was a huge change. And one of the things to consider about System 7, though, is it was slower. It was slower. It used a lot more memory. That's what I remember about System 7. It was also 32-bit clean. Which doesn't mean anything now, but it means something if you want to run more than 8 megabytes of memory on your Mac. So, something interesting that I'm seeing on Wikipedia, looking at the history of S System 7, is System 7 lasted from May 1991 to April 1997. So it got up to 7.6.1 in six years. They were calling it System 7 for six years. And basically that was when Steve Jobs came back, wasn't it? 1997. And then he went to System 8. Why System 8? A lot of it was because of the deals that Apple made with these clone makers. They licensed the Mac OS. But when they went to System 8, because it had a new major number there, going from 7 to 8 instead of being 7.7 .7 or something, Apple could write he a new contract. He annulled all the clone agreements. Yeah. Right, they and could it, write a new contracts and say, goodbye, we don't want you anymore. So when System 7.6 came out, they renamed it to Mac OS. So when 8 came out, it was already a Mac OS 8. You know, I, I moved house recently. We've talked about it several times. And I found all of my DVDs from, I think I have a Mac OS 8 uh, CD-ROM. I think it was distributed on CD-ROM. Um, and I found all of my old ones going back. I've long since thrown away all my floppy disks, like my HyperCard floppy disks. And I kind of feel guilty because these are historical artifacts. <laughs> yes indeed but yeah so we had system 7 for 6 years mac os 8 for almost 2 years um, mac os 9 for what a couple of years 3 years it would be until late 2001 when os 10 came out and of course don't forget that mac os 8 was originally supposed to be this copeland operating system and this was when everything started changing that they wanted to um make it really new and modern and they couldn't and they had to go back and then of course that led to you know apple purchasing next and the movement toward os 10 etc oh i remember that well that was a really interesting time and so many things changed but you think about the longevity of an operating system version Consider OS X, which came out in 2001. It's now entering the 13th year, and still OS X. Yeah, but the, the actual different versions are the point versions, the point 
well, the first the first real version was point one, but then point two, point three, etc. Um, it's not like the System Seven, which while it had minor versions, didn't have large changes from one to another. Um, we've seen very large changes in different versions of OS X. Um, if you think of what it doesn't do anymore, um, in the early days you could emulate older programs, and it stopped that about when 10.4, 10.5, I don't remember, using Rosetta. Um, so the changes have been a lot more drastic in Mac OS X. And I think Apple has decided that it's more important to have Mac OS X and now OS X as a brand name whereas they weren't looking at it back then in the same way. Well, I wonder if there's going to be an OS 11, or it's going to be 10, 10, 10, 11, 10, 12 for the rest of time. Since it's been a brand name for a dozen years, it's hard to see them changing it. Mac OS 11 sounds dumb. Um, but of course... Tiger and Mavericks and Mountain Lion sound kind of dumb too, so it's really hard to to think what would be best. I don't see the idea of eleven, but then again, Mac OS ten ten point seventeen that doesn't sound very good either. My guess is that they're just going to drop version numbers and they'll use them internally. So if you look at the about this Mac, you'll see a version number. Um, and in fact, that's the way it is now. When you look on the Apple website, you see Mavericks, you don't see a version number. It's all about Mavericks. I mean, there is a version number, but it's not something. But not on that, the Apple website, is there? Well, if you look at your About This Mac, they're sure showing a version number, but they're not right. advertising that version, version number. Right. On the Apple website, when they talk about Mavericks, they don't say OS X version 10.8, they just say OS X Mavericks. Exactly. They're emphasizing the branding not as a number, but as a name. It's going to be. It's going to remain as an internal number. It's used for troubleshooting, for example. Well, of course, but if you go to your about this Mac and you give your information, it'll say version ten point nine point one or something. It's not going to say Mavericks. Right, but you don't need to go there unless you're doing troubleshooting. I hear you. So I think yeah, I, I think for them it's a brand now. Um, and whether they change it to a 10.11 or an 11.1 won't make a difference. It'll still be OS 10 for a long time. But who knows? You know, if Apple wanted to truly rev revolutionize their branding and refresh everything, they'd come up with a new name. Instead of OS 10, they'd just call it Apple OS, for instance. How about that? Well, then go back to Mac OS. They, they could. It's been a dozen years. They could. And when you think that they've got iOS, kind of Mac OS actually fits better as a, a sort of similar thing to, 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 to iOS than OS X does. I think it's easier to say and it's more memorable because OS X does not signify a specific platform brand. You know, it could be OS X anything except Apple has the rights to that name. But if you look at the definition, right iOS very specifically refers to a platform. Mac yeah, the refers I to a platform. platform. So exactly. you would think that maybe Apple should go back maybe next year when they brand Maverick successor rather than call it OS ten whatever. You know. Well, I actually have another idea, but I have a feeling it's time to go to a break. 
You're getting very close on it. You know what? Kirk McElherney is developing a sense of timing, but he's a minute off. <laughs> so give oh, me the okay. idea. Well, here's my idea. Here's my idea that the next version of iOS and OS 10 are going to be called Apple OS, and there's not going to be a distinction between them. That they're not going to be the same. You're not going to have touch screens on a Mac necessarily, but that they're going to be much closer and that they're going to try and merge them into the same branded operating system, even though there's going to be different versions. That's just going to confuse people. It's like Windows 8.1, Windows RT, and all that. That confuses the heck out of people because people will buy stuff with Windows RT. They'll buy those terrible tablets, the Surface tablets, and one or two others and bother. And they'll say, it doesn't run my Windows apps. What is this? Apple has to keep separate branding. The Mac, the iOS mobile gear. You can't be like PC Ultrabooks. You can't have convertibles. You can't have reversibles. Gotta be separate. Can't mix the toaster oven and the refrigerator, except Microsoft doesn't think so. Kirk McElhern joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Nation's largest independently owned and operated talk radio network, the Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. It's that time of year again, and you know what that means. Cold and flu season. But don't worry. HerbalHealer.com has you and your loved ones covered with our safe and natural products. Cold and flu fighters like beta-glucans, olive leaf antiviral capsules, grapefruit seed extract, HHA 4-herb capsules, elderberry power, and respirate. And don't forget about oregacillin for the lungs, normally $34.95, on sale now for only $25. Vitamin D3 120-count soft gels, only $9. Whole body and homeopathic detoxes for the lungs, kidneys, liver, lymph, and brain, normally $26.95, now just $20. HerbalHealer.com also offers correspondence courses to teach you how to handle your health naturally. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Visit HerbalHealer.com and click the winter specials button to save on our natural cold and flu fighting products herbalhealer.com healing the world with nature one person at a time since 1988 welcome back to the tech night out live where you never know what's going to happen next and now here's gene steinberg Kirk McElhern did not attend the Consumer Electronics Show. I think 
in the scheme of things, he will never attend one. In fact, that's another quick question before we get back to 30 years of Max and operating systems. And that is, do you think there's going to be a time, not too distant future, where such events are simply not going to happen? No, I think we're going to have them for a long time because for us computer users and, and geeks and tech heads and all that, we could do without a Mac Expo because we can get all the information online. But the CES is about so many different areas of technology that people need to be able to see the hardware. They need to be able to see demos of hardware. Um, the CES is also a very attractive show for news organizations around the world who send reporters and come back with films. And I've been seeing them here on the BBC uh, about a smart toothbrush or a, a mini drone or things like that. So they really like it because they can get footage of really new tech devices. And if it were limited to computers, I would say yes. But if anything, you can't present a TV on the internet. You can't present uh, a new stereo or new audio equipment on the internet. So you need to have that live. Also, the press likes to cover wacky gadgets, robotic gadgets, things like that, or something special like a 120-inch TV. Would you like a 120-inch ultra-high-definition TV in your living room? You might need a new home to fit it, but if you spend ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 for one, and you could afford that, fine. You know, here's something, thinking of the CES, that really annoys me. I want to know what you think about it, and that is, number one, a bendable TV. We can bend the screen. I guess you can roll it up and take it somewhere on vacation. I don't know. Or a curved screen where they kind of bow out, where it's kind of compressed or indented in the center, and they curve slightly as you move yeah, towards the it's, edges. It's, what is the point it, of that? It's, it's crazy. It's concave. I think the logic is that if the screen's large enough, your field of vision at the widest points is going to make a flat screen further away. So if you measure the actual distance from your eyes to the center and then to the edges, there's more of a distance. It's like when you're sitting in the front row at a cinema, you've got more distance to the right and the left side. But what I always like about sitting close in a cinema, and I actually prefer sitting close than, than far back, is that it's a more immersive experience. Now, the idea of a curved screen, to me, will never, ever work. For one reason, it's good if you're watching a TV alone, if you're sitting in the middle. If you're not, if you're two or three or four people sitting on a couch, then everything you see at your end is going to look all skewed because you're too close to one end. And it's designed, the, the curve that I saw on the Samsung, the one that makes directors lose their words on stage, looks like it's designed so when you turn your head, you're roughly... Picture a, a string being held from your nose, and as you turn your head, the TV draws that arc. So as you turn from one side to the other, you're seeing things at the same distance. Um, the problem is it's an ultra-wide screen, so it's only useful if you're watching ultra-wide screen movies. It's much bigger than 16.9. What It would be, what, an 18.9, I guess? Again, if you're not sitting in the center, it's going to look all askew. So I think this is going to probably not even last as long as 3D TV. Well, there is technically still 3D TV. They're still making it, but some companies are not mentioning it anymore as part of the spec sheet. So, for example, Vizio, I look at the spec sheets for all their new TV sets. They have four lines of sets, including a 120-inch reference series ultra-high-D model. No 3D in the bunch. 
I think the curved TV is just ridiculous. I can see maybe some value in a bendable TV where you can just roll it up and take it with you, I guess. But I can't see this curved TV. I think that's absurd. I think that's a solution in search for a purpose. Well, it's very possible that Samsung made this just to get press because it's a new device and it's weird looking. I I think it's ridiculous. I think most people wouldn't have the room for it. Most people wouldn't be able to afford it. It's the wrong size. It's the wrong angle. I, I think everything's wrong about it. But it could just be to get publicity. Who knows? I think it is you throw a bunch of darts in the air and hope a few will reach their target. And that's what well, companies the, like Samsung company, are always doing. They Remember, at a CES, they're always introducing new concepts because they're new. And they're hoping some will actually go into production. And many of which never get actually produced. Very many few of these get things produced. get produced. You know, I can't imagine going into the Sam's Club or the Walmart or the Best Buy and saying, I want a curved TV. You know, I'd be embarrassed. I'd well, think it was stupid. Well, th- again, a- as you said, a company like Samsung, you know, we're, we're so used to talking about Apple that has such a limited product line. Um, a company like Samsung sells things in all different parts of the technology spectrum. So, as you say, they've got to throw a lot of darts to get a couple that stick. Apple's going to be a lot more careful about making sure that every single product fits into their very limited product line. Whereas Samsung just wants to just sell as many products as they can. And don't forget a number of other things. Um, The intellectual property, they've got a patent. Maybe someone else is going to come up with a better way to do it, and they'll have to pay Samsung to license the patent or things like that. Um, I think a lot of the things that we see at CES that are never produced are also made into prototypes if just to protect patents. Mm. Well, that's one thing. And a lot of times, one of the ways to defend the patent is to produce a product based on it. Yeah. That becomes a really big issue. But there's a lot of stuff you see there that will never see the light of day. But in terms of TV makers, they are so desperate to get you to upgrade your set. And this is a discussion we had with Josh Centers at Tidbits in our previous segment. The fact is here is that any set you bought in the last five or six years, a flat panel TV set, the new models are not going to give you that much better a picture. You're going to get five or ten years out of them useful service and then some. So how do the TV makers get you to come back? They tried 3D, went nowhere. Now they're trying Ultra HD, four times as many pixels. Of course, you have to be very close to the set or get like a 60 or 65-inch display or larger to see much of a difference. But they're really trying, and they've reached a point where the minimum level of quality for any TV is really good. I mean, you go into one of these consumer electronics stores where they have 100 sets on display, none of them has a bad picture. None of them have bad pictures. Some of them have less good pictures. Um, I th- I think one of the problems with the TV industry is, you know, for ages, we were, TVs didn't change. Um, we all had CRT TVs. Okay, it went from black and white to color. But we're talking decades here. Then in the late 90s, they came out with widescreen TVs. Now, I don't think widescreen was very popular in the States. It was here in Europe. And I'm not talking about HD. I'm just talking about widescreen regular TVs. So, TV was being broadcast here in 16.9 format. Um, then when HD came out, 
so first they got people to switch to get widescreen TVs. Then they got people to switch with HD TVs. And they've gotten into this sort of habit where they need to feed the beast of them producing new models and selling more TVs. Um, as you say, 3D didn't work. 4K is only going to be useful when you get up to like 200-inch TVs. I don't remember what the number is, but I seem to recall um, that if you're that the distance at which you can no longer see the pixels of a TV is something like 1.7 times the diagonal. Um, I may be wrong. It may be 2.3, but there's a there's a distance at which it becomes a retina display. You know, Apple's definition of the retina display is something where you can't see the pixels at a normal distance, um, and that's the same with TVs today. HD TVs. Given the size and the distance, you can't see the pixels unless you're very, very, very close. So the 4K, the 4K TV will be useful when you've got 200-inch TVs and you're sitting, you know, six feet away. So the TV's going to look bigger. It's going to look more like a movie screen. And maybe by then they'll have worked out all the problems of broadcasting it, of providing it over the internet, um, of you know, new Blu-ray players that can handle it, etc. Of course, in the meantime, they're going to have to do better and provide um, internet access at more than one and a half megabits where I live here. Kirk McElhern joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Quantitative easing, unemployment at depression levels, Europe financial system falling apart, China getting out of U.S. treasuries. At the end of 2008, the time of TARP, the national debt was at 11 trillion gold, trading around $850 per ounce. Close to 2012, the national debt exceeded 16.4 trillion, gold doubled to $1,600 per ounce. The 20 trillion threshold for the national debt is inevitable. Politicians in Washington have a ferocious appetite for spending and stimulus. What's worse, a printing press to finance. A hundred years ago, we had a gold standard to limit this madness, but now you have to adopt your own gold standard. Don't be fooled with paper promises. Get Midas Resources 10 Reasons to Buy Gold free by calling 800-686-2237. Understanding the gold and silver market may be the only insurance you could have to avoiding the next economic crisis. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order your free copy. Again, that's 800-686-2237.
Hi, this is Steve Sanchez, and based on a recent study, it was found that 57 million Americans had legal issues over the last 12 months, but only 60% of those studied sought out the services of a lawyer. Why? In a nutshell, affordability. Well, my friends at Legal Shield have created a solution that can help you not if, but when you need an attorney. For as little as $17 per month, Legal Shield will provide you unlimited access to qualified attorneys at an accomplished law firm for advice and counsel on legal issues no matter how serious or trivial. For over 40 years and with 1.4 million families across North America, Legal Shield can help you, the loyal GCN listener. Representatives are standing by now to answer your questions, so call them now at 1-855-340-SAVE. That's 1-855-340-7283 or visit them at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. These days, so many suffer from heartburn, stomach ulcers, and acid reflux, and most never realize it is the high acidity within the body that causes their discomfort. While selective diet choices can help, AlkaVision Plasma pH drops can really make a change. A few drops added to water can optimize your body's pH level, ridding you of harmful waste and acid, promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Healthy pH levels make all the difference. High acidity can also cause depression, insomnia, and irritability. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops bring you vital balance that can be truly life-changing. Alkalizing boosts immune response, reduces headaches and cramping, and even helps prevent bone loss. This is simple science that helps your body do what's natural. Order your AlkaVision pH Drops for just $29.95 at AlkaVision.com, A-L-K-A-Vision.com, or call 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body, supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. We have Kirk McElhern joining us from his palatial estate, or palace. We have to call it a palace because it's in the UK. Well, it's a barn, actually. Actually, it is. I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. He has a beautiful home. It is just beautiful. I saw a picture of it. It's a lovely home, and he should be proud of it. And he's not a millionaire. He's a regular guy like the rest of us, regular working stiff. He got a great home there. And even if he has to struggle to get internet access and get the satellites, okay. All right, 30 years of Macs. You just started using Macs around, what, 1991. I started in the 1980s. Now, when the first Mac came out in 1984, what was Kirk McElhern doing? Well, that was the year I left the States and moved to France. I spent a year hanging out traveling around in Europe, and then I started teaching English as a foreign language. Um, So I really had no need for a computer back then. There was nothing like the internet until the mid-90s in France, and of course in the States it didn't hit until the early 90s. Um, But I, there was absolutely no need to have a computer. I, I did have a roommate who had one of those Commodore 64s back in the day, 
Um, I don't recall ever doing anything with it. I don't recall him ever doing anything with it either. He wasn't a, a, a coder in any way. But I had no need for it. In fact, when I bought the computer in 1991, it was because I was starting to do some translations. I had previously had a typewriter that had one page of memory. So imagine you're translating something and you get to the end of the page. You want to make a change. So you go back and you make a couple corrections and then you print it out and you start over. You can't go back two pages before if you've realized well that word was wrong without retyping the whole thing and i was starting to get some translation work and i figured it would be good to have a computer i was also working in a bookshop in 1991 where they had i guess it was a mac se and they used it to do desktop publishing and i was using it to make flyers for events at the bookshop so i was starting to become familiar and in 1991 i figured it'll be good for translation and it'll be good to get to know computers you know it's interesting about similarities my son grayson lives in spain he is teaching english as a foreign language to elementary school students yeah but he's used a mac since i guess the late 1980s when he was three or four years old his first experience was trying to take all the stuff on my desktop and heave it on into the trash now, looking at Apple over all these years, 30 years, somebody's <laughs> observed the scene, someone who's written a lot about it. Where do you think Apple has screwed up where they did things that just made things worse? I don't think they've done things that have made things worse. I think that there's two things that, have, that Apple has done poorly. The first was making peripherals. Remember when they used to sell printers, which they didn't actually make. I think it was Canon. Um, The first CD-ROM drive I bought was from Apple. It was, God, it must have weighed about five pounds. The quick-take camera, things like that, the Pippin game controller, they were never very good on that sort of peripheral. And the second thing that they've just never done well, and even today they haven't got it right, is any kind of online service, be it E whatever they had back in the day. Remember that little village thing? That was, let me tell you about that. That was E-World. I had, E-World. I had a press membership, so I didn't pay for it. It was controlled by AOL. They use AOL's right. infrastructure with their own unique interface. But interestingly enough, the original AOL plan was to provide the consumer version of Apple Links. And Apple Links was Apple's online service dealing with developers and with dealers. And so they teamed up with this company called Quantum Computer Services back in the late 1980s to create something which ended up being AOL, but Apple pulled out of the deal. That's how AOL started. Okay. Okay. I know you don't care about any of this, but that's what happened. You know all of the history here. But from the very beginning, Apple has just not gotten online services right. And one good example of this is the fact that they've had to change the names of their online services so many times. I'm just looking up when iTools started. iTools was pre-Mobile Me. Was there another name between iTools and Mobile Me? Dot Mac. Um, Well, Dot Mac was so iTools and then Dot Mac and then Mobile Me, right? And now iCloud. Um, iTools, iTools started in 2000. It's quite old. Yeah, 2002. It was rebranded as Dot Mac. 2008. It was rebranded as Mobile Me, and then it was rebranded as iCloud. There have always been problems with all of these things. I would say, if anything works well, it's email. 
because email is not that tough. But they've always tried to do things like syncing. Um, the iDisk was always, remember how slow it was to upload and download files to an iDisk? Um, they just haven't been able to get it right. Well, the thing here is that this has been such a difficult thing for Apple, and they've got no choice now. There's no choice for Apple but to have this online service because Microsoft and Google and Amazon are doing it. They've got to get it right. It's not that necessarily Amazon doesn't have failures. It's not that Google doesn't have failures, and they do, and pretty bad ones. Yahoo's had failures with their email very recently. Their email went down. So they're all having problems. This cloud stuff is still a big work in progress. So the long and short of it is that because the eyes are always on Apple, any failure of Apple's is serious. Any one of these syncing problems is serious. But the fact of the matter is they all have problems. Every one of these cloud-based services has problems of one sort or another. The issue here is that somebody has to get it right. As millions and millions of people adopt these schemes, if they don't get it right, it ends up causing a mess because more and more people are depending on the cloud for the reliability of their stuff. Well, that's the biggest problem. You mentioned that Yahoo has email problems and Gmail has outages. Email is probably the simplest thing of all this. Um, the hardest part is all the syncing. Now, if you remember, you look back, you used to be able to use iWeb to build a website, um, and that worked sort of. The iDisk worked sort of. If you look back even at all of the other things that they had, so they had a mobile meet gallery, they had some early syncing. I just remember all the times that I had to delete everything, back up my address book, delete everything on everything, and restart over to resync. Granted, I haven't had this problem recently with iCloud, and it's very possible that they've finally gotten it right, but I keep hearing from people whose contacts disappear or get repeated or whose calendars don't update and all that. Um, it's not easy. It really isn't. But it's something that Apple's never been able to write. And remember, Apple's been doing this since 2000. I think iTools was well before Microsoft did anything like that. Um, there was no Google back in 2000, was there? Uh, Google. When was Google founded? We will look. History of Google. When was Google founded? Let's remind ourselves here of the history of Google. So we are now going to... Explain that Google began it was in March. In 1998. It began in March 1996 as a research project right. before it debuted a couple of years or so later. Okay, let's leave it at that because we have to do our break. I'm Gene let's Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. We are the premier independent talk radio network. The Genesis Communications Network. G-C-N. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio. DreamHost.com radio. 
First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Great news, pure water lovers. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has a special discount offer for all GCN listeners. You can't do better than a Big Berkey for economy. For only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. There's none better than a Big Berkey for emergency preparedness as a backup water source. And you just can't beat a Big Berkey to remove dangerous chlorine, all types of fluoride, pathogenic bacteria, cysts, parasites, and unhealthy bodies products from municipal water. Berkey water filter systems are even powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. For the gold standard in water filters, get a Big Berkey at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com and all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. For details, call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey water filters for the love of clean water. Do you owe the IRS money that you can't pay? Are tax liens and levies ruining your life? Are you tired of being afraid just to go to the mailbox? If this describes you, then Dan Pilla can help. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla, and I've been solving tax problems for more than 30 years. In fact, I wrote the book that made it possible to negotiate settlements with the IRS, and I've helped thousands of people do exactly that. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. New changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever before eliminate their debts once and for all. There's no need for you to suffer another day with IRS debt. Call 800-346-6829. I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. A healthy digestive system supports a healthy immune system. And a healthy immune system protects you against infections and disease. Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse, available at Terragonics.com, is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM1 is a powerful liquid probiotic and is gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM1 contains three groups of beneficial microbes and enzymes to cleanse and remove toxins, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, and aids in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, is non-GMO, has all-natural certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is never freeze-dried. Pro-EM1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM1, the raw probiotic. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Okay, so from the late 1990s, we had Google, but we also have Kirk McElhern. 
joining us. So Google was playing around with this stuff. Well, Apple still had eWorld in the mid-90s, but it was using AOL's infrastructure. But Google, of course, debuted in 1998 on September 4th in Menlo Park, engine. California, at a garage. Yep, but that was as a search engine. So Gmail didn't start until April 1, 2004. And Apple had already been doing their email four years earlier. I think Yahoo had mail as well by then, before Google did. Um, but there weren't a lot of competitors in the free email market back in the early 2000s. Of course, now everyone does free email. But Apple was ahead of the curve for some of the stuff. But it's just that they couldn't get things to work right. And a lot of the problem here is that when you keep rebranding the service, you lose confidence. Microsoft has done that, of course, too. You had Hotmail and live email, and now it's Outlook.com. And it's still pretty messy. I've tried Outlook.com, by the way. And it's messy beyond belief. Gmail is still yeah, troublesome. I Gmail's problem is they've got so many features, it almost collapses upon itself with featureitis. I, I just went into my Gmail settings today. Um, some of the listeners may have read that Google's introduced a system where anyone can send you an email through your Google Plus profile. Um, so I went into my Gmail settings to turn off that feature, which is possible. And God, I can't believe how many settings there are in Gmail these days. You also have these lab things where you have features in beta and you add them and you reach a point where I just want my email. I don't want all this nonsense. Whoever believed or came to believe that anyone who simply wants to send a message has to cope with all this nonsense in order to deal with this problem. It's not, it's ridiculous. Yeah, that's, one the, that's one of the problems of Google. They keep piling on features and then getting rid of services that are popular. It, it's just strange. They, they're making it far too complicated for a whole lot of things. On the one hand, they're trying to make Google Plus to be something it's not. It, it'll never be as popular as, say, Facebook or Twitter or whatever. And they're trying to force people to use it. But then you go into Gmail and it's really hard to understand. It's the easiest way to use Gmail, by the way, is to use it on a mobile device with a Gmail app. You don't see any of the settings. You download your mail and that's about it. But once you go on the web, if you open up the settings and you look at all the possibilities, um, good luck. You'd need a book to explain that. And there are books, by the way, but we're not selling one. I didn't write one, nor would Kirk, nor would he want to. This is the problem I see with some of the Android smartphones. They sink under the weight of the garbage that the companies put on them. The worst offender that I encountered was the Samsung Galaxy S4. It's not been a stellar success. It sold well, but not extremely well. And half of the storage space on the 16 gigabyte version is not just the Android OS and the normal stuff Google gives you. It's all this nonsense junkware bloat that Samsung puts on there, most of which either duplicates a function that already exists from Google or doesn't work. And, but yeah. Google hasn't learned the same thing. Apple gets criticized for removing features, which they do all the time. Because they'll say, well, maybe this feature isn't necessary to get rid of it, but there's always somebody who cherishes that feature. Or they rebuild an app like with iWork. They rebuilt it from scratch, more or less, as 64-bit apps that are basically the same for iOS and OS X. So they took out a bunch of features. And people said, I want those features. So Apple has to add them back now. Yeah. But at least Apple tends to be a lot more parsimonious about adding features. 
I think Google's logic is just, uh, again, throwing darts at a wall type thing. Um, add as many features and see which are popular um, and just see what happens. See, I don't personally use Gmail very often. I do have a Gmail account. One of the reasons I keep it open is I get a lot of spam on it. So if I ever need for any reason to look for spam, I can go to my Gmail account and get a couple thousand spam messages to go through. Now, there's an article that you have over at your Kirkville site, McElhern.com, how to prevent mass emails via Google+. Why do we care about Google+, I mean, does anyone really use it? They join it, but do they really use it? Well, that's the thing. I have a Google Plus profile. I don't know if you do. Um, sure. I don't really do much with it because I've never noticed any sort of, um, you know, on Facebook, I've got 150 friends. I, I My Facebook profile is not open. I have a separate Facebook page, which is public, but it, I keep my Facebook stuff private. It's friends, people I work with, things like that. Um, I get far more interaction over there because these are people I know. On Google+, Plus, I think a 1,000 people have me in circles. Um, I rarely get comments on anything I post there, so I don't really spend a lot of time with it. But what happens now is that Google is allowing anyone to send you an email through your Google Plus profile, unless, of course, you change the setting that I mentioned earlier. So basically, they're opening you up to spam. Well, that's the thing. Um, I... I can't imagine it's going to take too long for spammers to figure out a way to to automate this. Uh, they're not going to be doing it one at a time. Of course, they could. They could go to some third world country and pay people, you know, a dollar a day to do this one at a time to just go through random Google Plus profiles and send spam. Oh, they've got software that scrapes those names. Let's move to some other subjects very quickly. Here, we only have a segment and a half left. All right, music. You're a big music guy. Yeah, this huge collection of classical music. You could fill two 160-gigabyte iPods probably with your music. I don't know. You've got a lot of it. Okay. I could an article fill more than two, but here. go ahead. Pardon? I could fill more than two, but go ahead. Oh, my heavens. You know, if you listen to that stuff end-to-end, you'd have to live to 150 to hear it all, I think. Seriously. And that's one reason to stay alive, by the way, to listen to all the music that he has. Exactly. Let me read this headline. Spotify tries to guilt people into paying for streaming. I put it to you, Kirk McElhern. Guilt people? Tell me more. Well, Spotify has been... Spotify has recently added a new feature that you can shuffle music for free on a mobile device. So you can open the Spotify app and you can choose an artist or a genre or a playlist. And you can listen in shuffle mode and it's free. They say new shuffle music for free. Now anyone can get a free Spotify account. Of course, it's not free. You get ads. Um, you get a lot of ads, but they keep pushing that it's free. Now I don't use Spotify regularly. And just recently I re I, I reawakened my Spotify account. Um, and the first thing I noticed was that there were a lot of ads for Spotify. So, you know, join Spotify premium. And what really bothered me is that one of them, so in the Spotify app, you may have, um, You'll have an ad where the you'll have a, a graphic where the album art shows up, and you'll have a graphic at the bottom of the window. And one of them, the graphic at the bottom of the window said, "Don't be a pirate. Show your appreciation with Spotify." Now, 
Two things. First of all, I'm not being a pirate. I'm listening to Spotify for free the way you tell me I can listen to it and listening to all sorts of annoying, very loud ads. And the second is, why are they trying to make people guilty and make them pay for Spotify instead of doing whatever other way they want to do it? I think it's just insulting to suggest that not paying for Spotify is being a pirate. Now, it's obvious that they make more money from people who pay the $10 a month than they do from the ads that they play for people. So they want as many people as possible to to join the Spotify premium and to pay for it. But to insult people and suggest they're being pirates when they're doing that, I think that's just low. Now, I've criticized Spotify in the past for doing stupid things like when, for a period, they required you to sign up with a Facebook account. And if you didn't have Facebook, you couldn't use Spotify. And this lasted about a year or two. Um, But this is just insultingly stupid. Well, they're trying desperately to do something in a marketing vein, and you don't insult your customers. After all, isn't that marketing 101, that you don't insult your customers, that you treat your customers right? Kirk McElhern never insults his customers. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. of truly dangerous broadcasting. Man cow. Now heard here. Check it out. G-C-N. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. Time and time again. You need to come here and help us. We need assistance. Please. Those we should be able to depend on let us down. Federal and state and local officials saying help is on the way. Well, the folks here in Bell Harbor say show me. Don't depend on the government to save you. Take action now so that you're prepared for the next disaster with MyPatriotSupply.com. Get the best prices on storable food, non-GMO seeds, water filtration devices, home canning equipment, survival and self-reliance books, and more at MyPatriotSupply.com. Call 866-229-0927. We are hurting down here, and we need help immediately. Before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. To thank you for being a loyal listener, we have a limited time freebie offer for you. Claim your free heirloom tomato seeds, just pay shipping, right now at 123freeseeds.com. These aren't ordinary seeds. 
These are heirloom, non-genetically modified super seeds that are open pollinated and can be grown, harvested, and replanted endlessly. These survival seeds are actually more valuable than gold in a crisis. Go to 123freeseeds.com and you can get an airtight storage packet of 150 super seeds free while supplies last to say thank you for being a loyal listener. First come, first served. Just cover shipping. Go to 123freeseeds.com now to see if your free heirloom seeds are still available. That's 123freeseeds.com. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. On the Tech Night Isle Live, we're looking at some different schemes, marketing schemes for people to make you use their products. And sometimes they aren't so smart like Spotify. Don't be a pirate. Show your appreciation with Spotify. Yeah. I don't know. And at the same time, at the same time, the ads that they play are just, I'm listening to classical music, jazz, stuff like that on Spotify. And I get these really loud ads for One Direction. Are they really that thick to think that I care about One Direction? I mean, I've had a Spotify account for many years, and so they know my history. My listening history doesn't include anything remotely like One Direction. The ads are loud and annoying, and two tracks ad. Well, actually, two tracks, two ads. One track, two ads. Two tracks, two ads. Three tracks, two ads. The number of ads um, almost is more than the number of tracks I was listening to. Now, normally with radio stations, they never play more in a song or two before you have the ads on a commercial radio station. Now, when it's a talk show, you'll go 8, 10, 12 minutes before the ads come on. But music stations, I don't listen to those stations anymore, frankly. I don't listen to the rock and roll stations. I grew up listening to the rock and roll stations. I don't anymore. I go to Sirius XM, and I hear the music free. Now, obviously, on talk shows, you get the normal run of ads. Free? No, you pay for that, don't you? Well, you pay a monthly fee. It's not a horrendously large monthly fee. Right, but it's not free. Don't use the word free because it's not. Well, you're not hearing ads. That's the point. The point is you... Okay, but you're paying a subscription. And it's the same with Spotify. For 10 bucks a month, you won't hear any ads. It's like iTunes Radio. If you're paying the $25 a year for iTunes Match, you won't hear ads. No. 
So for me, free means you don't pay anything, and that's not that doesn't exist except on radio. But you still get ads, so there's no free basically. But go ahead. Free of ads is the point. The point being free of ads. Okay. But don't insult okay. your customers. I want to ask you a question though. Right. Of course, you know all of us here who do anything online, business wise, have a love hate relationship with a certain division of eBay called PayPal. Now understand. One of the founders of PayPal is the guy behind SpaceX. They're launching satellites and stuff, you know, making some progress. But there's a story you have over at Kirkville. You try to buy an iTunes gift card. I tried to buy an iTunes gift card. This is just before December. They sent, yeah. Yeah, December 20th, they sent an email um, saying they were selling iTunes gift cards 20% off. So $50 gift card for 40 bucks. It's pretty much a no brainer because. I'm either going to buy music or apps or rent a movie or whatever. So I signed in with my PayPal account. Boom, bought a gift card. Oh, sorry. Your payment was successful, but we were unable to retrieve your iTunes code information at this moment. It was only two days ago, so it took three weeks for me to get the money back. Um, I sent an email. They ignored. I sent another email. They ignored. So I had to file a dispute. They ignored. I had to escalate it to a claim. They ignored, and then finally they sent me an email saying, we've concluded our investigation into your case and have decided in your favor. They say, we were able to recover $40, and this amount has been credited to you. Able to recover from their own company? I mean, seriously. Now, I've heard lots of bad stories about PayPal, but I'm just never going to buy anything like this from them again. Um, I wish there were something as ubiquitous as PayPal that was as easy to use. So to send money, you know, to friends, to family, to buy things online. I wish PayPal had a, a solid competitor, but they don't. There are some lesser services, but I agree with you about that. On the other hand, I've had problems with PayPal, and my solution has always been pick up the phone, call the local PayPal office, and they get it resolved on the spot. Email is not really? the best okay. approach. Okay. Okay. So if you have like a PayPal office in the UK, and I can't imagine that you don't, if you call them up and say, look, I bought this service, this gift card, and I got nothing for it. I want to be credited today. They would credit you today. They do that to me. Okay. Because I had a service I ordered and then canceled right away. And the company never refunded the credit card authorization. I called PayPal. They took care of it. And they filed the okay. dispute. Well, well, we'll see what happens in the future, but I just, you can't trust them. Something like that. I mean, you'd think that, you know, you're buying something from PayPal and you have to escalate it to a claim to get a, the, the slightest answer. I've never bought anything no, from no. PayPal. I've used PayPal to pay for things well, and to receive right. money. It's very recent. It's very recent that they've been selling what they call digital gifts, and they have a a PayPal digital gifts page, I think, now. Um, Let's see if we can find that. Just look up digital gifts. So we're giving free advertising to PayPal here, aren't we? I don't know if you call this free advertising, though. In fact, they've still got the 20% off iTunes gift cards. So if anyone wants to take a chance, um, you know, it's up to you. But I'd be a little bit hesitant about it. I'm sure it's worked for many people. Why didn't it work for me? Who knows? That is weird. That is really weird. I mean, they even have stores now where if you go into a store, a physical brick-and-mortar retailer, and you could pay with your PayPal account. Now, PayPal also has like a regular debit card or credit card, a debit card like a bank debit card. 
And you use it like a bank yep. debit card. You can take out a certain amount of money. You could apply it as a credit card purchase. But we have places now where you go in there. I don't know how you pay for it. Do you access your PayPal account on the spot and then authorize I seem the payment? To recall, yeah, I, see, I seem to recall there's some sort of a system. You access your PayPal account and you get a code that to give to the merchant. That sounds kind but of screwy. I've never seen it here. How easy is that? I mean, after all, if you can get a PayPal debit card, I think it's a PayPal debit MasterCard, it's free. And you use it like your bank debit card. Why do you have to go through all these shenanigans to use PayPal? Just hand them the card and that's it. Just make sure it's not Target, by the way. I think the latest from Target now yeah. is 70 million 70, people were impacted. 70 million, by the, yeah. 70 million people impacted by this data breach. Ouch. Yeah. You know, th I think the reason that PayPal is trying to do this direct payment is that if you're using a PayPal MasterCard, MasterCard is collecting a very large percentage. I don't know what the percentage is in the States. It might be 5 or 6%. So PayPal is probably undercutting them. Let's say they're getting 4% or 3%. So for the merchant, it's, it's a gain of a couple percent. And that's probably how PayPal is selling the service to merchants. Well, for example, if I get a PayPal payment for something, They'll take maybe 3%, which is right. a merchant processing fee. And that's not unusual. I mean, if you set up a merchant processing account for your business, it's going to be 2 or 3%. Sometimes they give you these lower rates, but then they charge you a monthly fee for the machine, for the credit card processing, or for the membership. So in the end, it's still maybe 2.5%, 3%. So that's where they're making their money. But if you send money to family or friends, I don't think they take a piece out of it. They don't take a bite out of it. But that's PayPal. But I agree with you. They do. They, they'll, they'll take something like 1%. Um, I'm just looking at an email I got here. Something like 5.5% on credit card payments. I queried a, a book from an online bookseller. Not Amazon, but another one that aggregates booksellers. And they say that it's a 5.5% credit card payment. So they were talking about if you buy directly from us, it's cheaper rather than going through the, the, the aggregator, 5.5%. Um, so I think if PayPal is doing a direct sale thing, it's just that they're undercutting what businesses are paying to credit card companies. And hey, a business that's saving 2% on their processing like that, it's 2% of their sales, that's a lot of money when you think about it. I found another service that is getting some traction. It's called WePay. But WePay is nothing like PayPal. It's not as easy. And they're charging you. 2.9% plus 30 cents for credit card payments. Kirk McElhern, where do we find more of your stuff, but not on PayPal? Um, go to my website, Kirkville. It's McElhern.com, M-C-E-L-H-E-A-R-N.com. And you can find lots of stuff on the Macworld website and in Macworld magazine every month. You can find us on Twitter. We're known as Tech Night Owl. That's Tech Night Owl on Twitter. And we have another radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. Featuring this week, Andy Colvin, who's a researcher into UFOs and Mothman. Remember the movie, The Mothman Prophecies? Go to Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com. But here on the Tech Night Owl Live, thanks once again to my friend Kirk McElhern for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me again, Gene. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. 
We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.